Especially if you're here live with us in Seattle at PAX. Oh, we are so glad you've chosen to tune in. DLC is your downloadable conversation for the week. Delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Squarespace. Squarespace. And Linda. Oh, Linda! They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Canada. That's with two N's and one T. And with me, as always, is my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who brought his family to PAX... <laughs> Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Garnet Lee. Always wanted to make an entrance. Look, it's Garnet Lee, everybody. Garnet Lee has entered. Get up on the stage, my friend. Entered the building with some sick tigers on. That's why you wanted to stand outside to show off those sneaks. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having us, Pax. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, DLC is always your downloadable canal and your downloadable Christian. This week, DLC stands for DLC Live from the Convention. Woo! Yeah. It also stands for... DLC Legacy Confirmed, because we have a veritable weekend confirmed reunion. We got Garnet Lee. Hi. Yeah. Making his, making his uh, entrance. And of course, the lovely, the talented, the amazing Andrea Renee. Thank you Hi, guys everybody. for being here. Thanks for having me, guys. So I, 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 wanted, I wanted to throw a quick surprise your way. You don't know uh-oh. about this. What? DLC stands for your downloadable Kanata, your downloadable Christian, your downloadable content, your downloadable... Go- I don't know what it is. He always has an acronym. So what I want to do real quick, I think these mics are live. I want at least like three people to come up into a mic, say your name, and say two facts about you, and Jeff's going to have like 15 seconds to no, read No, that's, that's not happening. That's not happening. for you. That's not happening. please step up to that the mic. That doesn't work well. Right now. <laughs> that doesn't work well. That's the whole point, because everybody yeah. thinks that Jeff's so Mr. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> no, it's actually, it's going uh, to be a demonstration of love for my comrades, because I... I oh, <laughs> good <laughs> God. <laughs> He can't I, help himself. I, lo- I love the people on this stage, and I'm so happy to see you, Garnet. We haven't, we, I haven't seen you in, in months. It has been a long time. It has been quite a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, now that we got the apology, we can move on. That's all I wanted was an apology. No. Uh, and you too, Andrea. It's good to see you. She, uh, you guys all moved away from us. I'm sorry. I miss LA. But yeah. San Francisco's pretty great. Yeah, I agree. I'd Why do you there. miss LA? Because it's LA. There's yeah, beaches No one misses LA. No one misses LA. Well, uh, you know, this, isn't, uh, this isn't a show about just catching up with friends. This is yes. really a show about gaming. And we're going to start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. That makes me so happy. <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm, I'm not even exaggerating saying that the very first time I did that, a little person in the back of my head said someday at a convention <laughs> but can we can we get this is how much people like singing in public because here's here's what we're gonna do how are you guys doing today how are you guys feeling packed how are you guys feeling 
You see how energetic that was, and did you see how tepid the singing was? Everybody no, was like, they loved it. Are you kidding? Movie. It was amazing. Um, so stories that have come out of PAX, uh, guys. We, we won't pick our favorites just because uh, we aren't all on the same page here, but I want to throw some stories out there. Andrea, uh, I know that you and I were talking, and you said your story of the week is the, uh, the announcement of Lawbreakers, the new Cliffy B joint, pro- uh, previously known as Project Blue Streak or something like that? Yeah, that was the code name. Yeah. And so then there was official. a website called The Shattering, and everybody got confused <laughs> about what was happening. So I got a chance to talk to Cliff uh, yesterday. I uh, haven't gotten over Humble to play brag. the game. <laughs> Well, I mean, I am here working, so just just saying. Um, the, it is playable right now. Um, they are showing it off to the public. Their big thing is we wanted to get it into the hands of the community first, which is really cool. A lot of devs don't do that. They'll do, like, really exclusive press events, which, you know, a lot of us have been fortunate enough to attend. So if you're here at PAX and you haven't gotten a chance to play, I hear it's pretty cool. I haven't gotten hands-on with it yet, but I got to talk to Cliff about you know, the development process and why they chose to make this game in this way. And I think it's, you know, it's interesting. He obviously has a big pedigree in PC shooters, and I, that's predominantly why they decided to go with this. I think for me the reason why it's a story is because a lot of people on Twitter were asking me, is it coming to console? Mm. Will it be coming to Xbox One? Because Microsoft is really pushing a lot of, you know, cross platform play with Windows 10 Mm -hmm. and he said hey Phil Spencer wants to give me some money or if Adam (laughs) Boyce wants to give me some money let's talk about it. I'm available. But they want to keep the studio small so Bosky is the studio that he founded. It's 40 employees and he said that it's really their intention to not grow too big because they want to be able to continue making games and not have to worry about you know shuttering the studio down the road and that's a common problem in games now. You work on one really big project and then nothing Happens, yeah. right? which, which one of these free-to-play shooters is the one? Right. I mean, everybody's making this land grab right mm-hmm. now. I mean, Blizzard's entering the fray. Uh, Gigantic is kind of a MOBA, kind of a shooter, yeah. third person. Cliffy B's coming back. He walked away from games and shooters for a long time, and now he's coming back in a big way with his free-to-play. Gearbox Unreal. seems to be doing it. Gearbox is doing it. Unreal Tournament is free-to-play. Are any of these games, Andrew, do you think any of these are going to stick out and be the one that, you know, two years from now, fans of this show will tell Jeff to quit talking about? Like, it's the one <laughs> that he I th- loves. I think so we all know which one well, that's going to be. I think it's hard, it's hard to say at this point. Um, I think the early standout is Overwatch, just because Blizzard has such a pedigree, and the game just looks really polished in its early stages right now. Like, I mean, they're maybe going to be doing closed beta this fall they've talked about, but they haven't given specifics yet. Um, but for these other games, it's also it's about player preference, right? Like, do you want to have a more mobile-like experience or do you want something that feels more traditional FPS? You know, and I think that once the audience decides, you know, where they want to go, we'll see. Um, it's hard, you know, it's hard. I, I haven't gotten a chance to have spent a lot of time with Gigantic yet, so I can't speak to that game. I just played a little bit of Battleborn, but that's not going to be free-to-play. Right, yeah. So, and it actually has a, a very robust single-player campaign, from what I understand. Right, which is what Battleborn. I was playing today. Yeah. But Garnet, and, what's your take on, the, on these uh, free-to-play shooters? I think it's kind of fun uh, not dealing with talking about games all the time in a professional capacity, because it's really funny to listen to now, because you hear things like, 
it has robust single player. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> it means it's, it means that the single player campaign is not just a tacked on thing. It's an no, actual game. No, it means game. that Garnet walks away from talking about games for two years and he'll, all of a sudden his vocabulary just sucks. Yeah, he no longer knows what robust well, single player my, means. <laughs> uh, my vocabulary, to be fair, my vocabulary was always just sort of made up and improvised on the spot <laughs> anyway. So If a word doesn't work here, I'll just, just make one up. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's a water fee. I'm carrying that torch for you. Don't worry. <laughs> You know, I think the thing with these free-to-play shooters is that everybody's sort of reaching, and it's fun to sort of, you know, uh, sniff around and be, oh, well, what's going to happen with these, and who's going to be big, and what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen is the one that actually gets it right first will get it right, and everybody else will try and follow them, and it, will it be Overwatch? Will it be any number of the other ones that are out there? I don't know. It'll be the one that people pick up and start playing. It's, it'll be the one that has the easiest on-ramp to playing and the best player progression and the blessed system for keeping you playing because really that's all that matters i mean you know the fun thing about not writing and working about games all the time is i get to play what i want to <laughs> and it, it's it's really stark contrast especially after you get you know say six months or a year past like doing any of that stuff because suddenly oh i play the games i want to play like kingdom hearts hmm. yeah, so, yeah so you know it has to have it, it'll be the one that has the stickiness not the one that is the marketing show of the day did you guys think that the debut trailer for Lawbreakers was cool looking. Certainly there were some neat moments with the grappling hook and the shooting behind you and some neat, interesting stuff. Yeah. I, think, I think graphically, um, you know, it's nothing that we haven't necessarily seen already. When I talked to Cliff, he kind of described it as a midway point between like the Pixar style of like Overwatch and Battleborn and then like the dark you know, FPS style of like kill zone and gears. He's like, we're trying to hit the sweet spot in the middle between that. We don't want to be too cartoony, but we don't want to be dark and dreary. Mm. And I was like, I don't, I haven't seen enough of it to know if they've actually like successfully hit that point yet. But I think a good takeaway from my conversation with him was when we were talking about the free to play specifically, because they're publishing with Nexon. I said, you know, how are you going to do this? There's a lot of stigma around even the phrase free to play. You know, is that something that you guys were obviously concerned about? You know, like, what are you doing to combat that? And he said, we don't want to be sleazy about it. Those were his exact words. And I said, that's, well, that's good. That's good hey, news. But hey, hey, <laughs> you want to play my game? <laughs> hey. Why is, it in a, why is it in your coat, sir? Hey, hey kid. Oh. I have some candy in there, I don't too. want it to be in there. No, the game's lower. Reach down lower. <laughs> It's free to play. I <laughs> Don't you? Oh, have look, kids? a microtransaction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not proud of myself. It's cold in here, kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that the 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 free the topic of free kind of brings us to another interesting thing that that just came out today here at PAX, uh, which is that Guild Wars Two is going free, 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 like fully free for the base game that has been out for a while. Uh, and they're hoping that uh, they're just going to sell expansions because more people will pe- play the base game. But that you know, excuse me, differentiates itself from other games like WoW, where if you want to buy and play the content in the new expansion, you still have to go back and buy the base game. However inexpensively it may be, it still is an investment. We, uh, Guild Wars 2 going completely free, letting you play as, as much as you want uh, of that base game with, for no cost. I think that's pretty cool, no? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's it. Someone crunched the numbers and they realized that it's run its course, right? It had its big push, and people well, bought the, the game. And what's going to get people reinvigorated? You in guys the game are such now? cynics. You're so like, oh, I feel like it had its course. It's gone its way. Now it's free. Oh, Wildstar is free too. 
Well, that's what it does. No, if they thought they could sell more of these and make more money, like so, I. Well, I think out, they. That's, that's the point that I was going to make. Actually, is that like it doesn't matter whether it's free or not. It matters whether the content is good. People will pay to play something that is good. The the, the struggle that most people's minds, I think, comes from. Hey, we don't have a really good way anymore to know whether or not the sixty dollars we're spending is going to go towards something I want to play and am I going to be engaged in it with any amount of time. And so, yeah, we slid into free to play, but no one has a problem with spending money for stuff they want to play. I think it's not even about that all the time. I think it's about making that sacrifice of what am I going to spend my money on? Like, because mm. there's so much new stuff More than happening time. all the time. Like, there's yeah. so many new games coming out constantly. Money so or you time. Have to uh, money and time. It's time. I mean, you know? it's really more time, right? Well, I mean, but I think for the general population who doesn't have, you know, access to a lot of these things, like, you have to make a, like, when I was, you know, not working in video games, you, I had to make a choice. I didn't get to buy every game I wanted to play. Yeah, no, I, I don't mean, buy every game I want to play either, but it's, too, about, right? it's about like, time. You have to make choices. I think it's more about time for me because it's a matter of, oh, you know, outside of everything else, like, what do I have time to actually invest in? That's the reason I don't really play MMOs that much anymore. And Guild Wars 2 is amazing. Like, I was playing Guild Wars 2 right when it came out. I was like, oh, I'll be doing this for forever. And then it was like, oh, real- reality check. Hold on. There are other games I'd like to this play. Is, this is the conversation we had last week on, on this show about uh, the announcement or the, you know, the early reviews of Metal Gear Solid Five, which is like, it's great, but 40 hours isn't enough for us to review it from Polygon, which is like, what? <laughs> you know, as, as exciting as that is in a, on a lot of levels, it's, it's also really intimidating to me. It's, it's to say, oh, 40 hours in a game is just scratching the surface? That's, that's have you played it a yet? barrier of entry. Hmm? Have you played it yet? I have not, no. Christian? Just what was behind closed doors at E3. <laughs> Nothing Andrew? substantial. Uh, no. Well, we are clearly qualified to talk about Metal Gear Solid. Well, just, uh, it's an amazing no, game. Was, no, he's so not, good. He, no, Jeff isn't talking about the game content. He's talking about this idea that the time investment is so vast. Like, Do you even want to dip your toe in the water knowing that you're going to be in the deep end for hundreds of hours? Right. I mean, it sounds like... You know, like a Skyrim experience or some other kind of deep RPG experience in a game that was, you know, not necessarily traditionally thought of having that many hours investment in. But this new generation of consoles has made open world the thing everybody wants to do. And it's like you can't commit open world to every single game. There's just, like you said, not enough time. So how does that leave you feeling about Fallout? Because everyone's been complaining about the way the Fallout visuals look. But at the same time, a big part of that sacrifice Bethesda made was in order to blow up the world. I mean, the whole, the whole building of like your fort and all the things yeah. that you're doing, like it's amazing and ridiculous at the same time. Do you, do you want that? Is yeah, that it's like es- estimated number of hours, infinity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I don't think I have infinity but hours. Why wouldn't you want that? You're saying that I'm the cynical one, Garnet. Why wouldn't you want a game that if you love enough, you can put all of your life and soul into and play for forever and ever and ever? And it's not as if you can't only play four hours of Metal Gear. It's not as if you sit down and play four Wait, hours of Wait, you know me, Gear. right? And you have tons of fun, and you walk away from it. You're like, well, that was a waste of four f- awesome. I almost swore. That was a waste of four awesome hours of Christian. my life. No, I, Christian, what happens when you put a full bottle of scotch in front of me? You drink with moderation because you're an adult <laughs> yeah. that knows how to control it. Exactly. Exactly. So oh, you what ha- show up to a live podcast ten minutes late. Is that what happens? <laughs> <laughs> we weren't I, drinking tequila last night. I promise. I, I would. I, I, let's transition to because I want to get to <laughs> some <of the> topics. <laughs> Smooth, right, guys? Smooth like scotch. Um, <laughs> uh, Christian, I know that, that uh, the story that you were excited about is this, uh, this new Amiibo yeah. that we, uh, we heard about. For the, yeah. Three people agree with you. So, um, Shovel Knight? that don't know, Yacht Club Knight? Games, the, one of the best games of last year, and eventually this stupid patch update's going to come out. Like, it's almost done. Shovel Knight is getting an Amiibo, which what? is going to be... Incredible, and also the worst day of my life because I know I'm not going to be able to get it. 
I don't know what, if they've why? released. Well, supposedly, um, Yacht Club is actually the guys that are producing it, and, yeah. and so maybe they'll have a better channel of distribution than Nintendo. <laughs> uh, and, and also, it's the first it's the first third party game to be involved in the Amiibo thing. This could be an indicator well, of things to come of, of like lots more games getting yes amiibo. Yes and no. I mean there's a Skylanders Cross amiibo that were announced at E3 that's a, you know a third party game where right. you're bringing Mario characters into that game. But yeah, it's terms of like and it's interesting too because it's coming out after Shovel Knight went cross platform. So it's not even a Nintendo exclusive anymore. That's where kind of where the baby was born, but right. they have this character now that you can bring in um, and also I don't know if you guys have seen the art asset for it or the actual mold of the sculpt of this character. It's cool. It looks awesome. Yeah. It does look really good. But uh, I want that big Yoshi. You want, want the, 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 wool, the, the, wool the Yoshi? giant yarn Yoshi? Yeah. So yeah. Cute. Nintendo is the most amazing font of hope. I love how it's like 2015 and people will be like, yeah, well, there's one. Of course, there'll be like a whole, there'll be a whole collection of third party amiibos. Of course. Why wouldn't they do that? Uh, uh, because I think they're that Nintendo. Could be, that could be cool. I mean, I, and Nintendo is turning into a, a toy company. Uh, yeah, they are. They did, they they did start as, as one. one. That's very, true. Very they started as a point from the audience. Yeah. yeah, but Nintendo also introduced the new 3DS, which I have in my bag right now, with an extra nub and all the new games that are going to utilize that nub. None. There's still only one. You know what? Like, or the, the power. There's bo- two. Wait. They, okay. They're a fond of hope. You're supposed to have hope. You okay. guys are the hope side of the table. <laughs> Actually, there's three. The nub in Monster Hunter is really good. If, if you guys haven't played it with the new 3DS, it's got that camera... The camera control is And then Xenoblade is the only game that requires the new 3D. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to see a whole whole ton of like third-party games getting Amiibo support because anytime you get a little gimmick that you can put on your shelf that costs too much money is a good thing, <laughs> if you ask me. But I just don't have faith that others are going to come out, which is why I'm so excited that the first one is, is Shovel Knight because that yeah. game's incredible. I also wanted to point out that uh, my game of the year last year, uh, which was Divinity Original Sin, uh, the sequel just hit Kickstarter and is uh, blowing up, guys. It, it hit its funding goal in the first day. Uh, I think that's amazing. I'm so happy for Larian Studios. Those guys uh, really put a lot of love into their game, it seems to me. And um, I think this is a, a really feel-good story. It's certainly one of my stories of the week because I'm excited for the sequel. It looks like they've added a lot of really cool features. And people are supporting companies that do Kickstarter right, which they proved they did the, the first game. So. Thumbs yeah, up from the rest absolutely. of the dais here. More to love. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical, actually. <laughs> <laughs> from the guy who just criticized you for being too critical. <laughs> Look, it's not my goddamn show, but I can do it however I want to. It's <laughs> I just fly by my seat of my pants. It's like whatever. Actually, though, I want to bring this up. How do you feel about companies who have been super successful? coming back to the well at Kickstarter? Because it does really skew things. I mean, do you feel like there's a, a, you know, a finite amount of uh, pool of funds from which Kickstarter can draw from all the people who might do it? It certainly and, doesn't and seem that way, does it? It doesn't. At the same time, I feel like the, the titles like that, they draw up a tremendous amount of effort and energy inside the space that could be you know, going to a number of different titles. Like you said, how quickly did they hit their goal? One day. Yeah, one day. day. Yeah. So you're telling me that if you've got a game that you can, in one day, get kickstarted, that you can't walk into at least three publishers and get a deal? I disagree. Well, I think you're right. And I, and I think that, that in this particular case, uh, it seems to me that it's really more of a pre-order site. And how comfortable are you with that? I don't know. You know I don't mm-hmm. think that's what See, it should the, be the, used the, the for. Arc. But I, I also feel like... These guys used Kickstarter the first time. Yes, they did. They did it right. They r- really took care of the people that have followed them. through. So, if anybody is going to, I think, do it right a second time, it's going to be them. I, it doesn't seem to me. It doesn't feel 
I just think it's an interesting it's an interesting dialogue that it opens, especially in light of the news that came out this week about Mighty Number no. Nine. They're going to do a demo version just in order to satisfy because people were really really upset about a delay. And at the same time, in the in the big scheme of things, when you're making games, delays happen. And right. so having to then go back and uh, you know deal with this sort of triage of, of oh look all these people are so upset because you promised them through a different sort of relationship by doing it on Kickstarter than you do when you're making a game. Now obviously that game wasn't going to get made otherwise. So it's great that it got made. They have now gone above and beyond the Call of Duty. Like they are like, well, here's this four level demo. That no, you're I think get. Call of Duty is still making more money than that. <laughs> how many? How many people here, just by raising your hand, have kick, have chipped into Kickstarter game? I I have. Oh yeah. Seems like I think majority. How many? How many have you done? I have two. Yeah. I've done two. You've done two. You've done two. How many people here, raising your hands again, have feel like they've been burned by kickstarting a game? Wow. Mm-hmm. Only very four. few. Five. Oh, wait, 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 sir. You're you're not sure if you've been burned at <laughs> the game. <laughs> okay. Yeah, some projects haven't come out. Yes. I, so I wasn't into Mike. He says he goes in and like it's a donation. So he goes in to be disappointed. I look forward to how you live the rest of your life. No, I don't <laughs> I really. I actually, I think that's the smart way. To, I think that Kickstarter should be viewed as a donation site. It's, it should not be viewed as a storefront. But that's, that's something I've said a long time, and I think it's a conversation for a different time. Because we're at PAX. I don't want to talk about that. And I want, to talk about, <laughs> I want to talk about the stuff that we've played, so I think it's time to get to the playlist, which means Wait. I need to... Whoop. Oh, Scar, you got to do it. Uh, which means I need to uh, find where's Sean Madigan. There he is. Sean, stand up. This is the guy that composed all of the themes that aren't sung by me on the show. So. Choo-choo. Well, in that Wait, one. Sean. Sean gets a... Come so, here so, and pick a prize from the swag bag. And while he's doing that, Don't guys, we're going to serenade Sean with his own song. So do you guys know the, the, the playlist song? Pick whatever. All right, ready? One, two, three. Ooh, what you playing this week? You tell us. Ooh, what you playing this week? You tell us on the playlist. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. The new Lonely Island. (laughs) What'd you say? The new Lonely Island. What have you been playing? Oh, no, he was saying that we have a future as uh, the new Lonely Island. Oh, the new Lonely our, Island. <laughs> I mean, it's no stanky dick, but it will do. Uh, <laughs> what is? What is? Oh, you had to bring that back. You, pro- you pretty much brought it up already. That's Andrea, cool. Renee, what is on your playlist? What have you been playing here at PAX? Well, I was actually going to remind myself um, by looking at my schedule. What did I play yesterday? Um, so I got to do a couple cool things. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is Lego Dimensions. Ooh. Ooh. So I went into this pretty conflicted. I love TT. The work that they do on the Lego games are stellar. If you haven't played a Lego game yet or you haven't played any of the recent ones, do yourself a favor and pick it up. They almost, almost universally, they're always good to play and they're fun. They're really fun to do co-op. So I went in going, okay, I know that the gameplay is going to be good. But, man, the financial investment that they are asking players to make is astronomical. It's huge. It's bigger than Infinity. Yeah. It's bigger than Skylanders. You mean or just to Amiibo. start or to, start, to get everything? To start. Just yeah. to get in. So it's like $100 base. And that's just the three characters. And then you have to buy all the other minifigs separately and all the vehicles separately. And then everything else that's customizable separately. Not unlike, you know, Infinity, but it's just like, to me, the, I was skeptical of the value of 
buying like a minifig to play in the game versus buying, let's say, an infinity figure, which to me is like a collectible toy that I'm proud to display on like my desk. Yeah. The minifigs are these tiny little things and they're hard to display, you know, and so it's not like the satisfaction for me as a consumer wasn't there. But the gameplay is so good. It's so hard to like, like I'm like, I just, I'm going to go broke trying to play this game because the way that they've mashed all of these different IPs together is so genius. Like there was this moment in the demo I was playing. We were in the Wizard of Oz adventure world. I am playing as Gandalf and my co-op partner was playing as Batman. And which in and of it's itself like a dream is great, I had one right? time. And we're in the Wizard of Oz world. So along comes Dorothy with the line and the Scarecrow and the Tin Man. And then Batman goes, it's a scarecrow. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like this is why I love TT, because they're so witty. All this stuff is so good. That's I was great. like, that, in that moment, I knew that I had to buy this game, because that's just one of like, right. so many crossover opportunities. And you didn't, you didn't have to be playing Batman at that point, right? No. You could have been having any, any <laughs> right? character could have been there. Because well, yeah. I, I was playing Wild Style is also in, in the base pack, too. So she was with us when we were playing. We could swap out hot swap between characters like you can do in Lego. Um, and so like I was I went and walked away like pretty impressed and I went in super skeptical. So if you haven't gotten a chance to play it and you're here at PAX, uh, it's on the show floor in the Warner Brothers booth. Um, go check it out. Awesome. Um, the other thing that I was dying to try that I finally got to was HTC Vive. Yeah, I did that this morning too. Did you play the gallery? I did everything. Okay. I did all of the demos. <laughs> <laughs> Garnet, no, that's clearly the that. Samsung version. I made, I made a joke. I made a joke to the um, uh, to the guy from uh, HTC Creative Labs who was giving me the demo. I was like, "Thank God it's just you and me in this room because I probably look so silly." <laughs> but it's it's tough because it, it. I will definitively say it's the you best did. VR experience I've had so far. You looked really silly. They yeah. live streamed it and it was really <laughs> silly to watch. Good. Where's the stream? Let her finish. She said that the best yeah. VR experience ever. Best VR experience I've had. Did you um, did you do the uh, Oculus Touch at E3? I did Oculus, but I didn't get to do the touch. Okay. So, so that may... That may yeah. Right. Let Might her change. finish. You said it was the best. Now I'm going to interrupt you. Let her... <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's, that's a fair point. I haven't yeah. gotten to try the new touch yet. Um, but I've done extensive Morpheus demos too. But I think what's d- difficult about Vive is the setup is going to be almost impossible for most consumers. You know, having that much space. If people thought Just need a room in your space, house. That's if like people thought making space for Connect was an issue, you know, like this yeah. is this is much worse. Um, and it's such a it's such a unique experience. I played for about thirty five minutes, and by the time I got to the end of the demo, like it was getting pretty heavy. Like and you had to face. untangle yourself from the cord. Yeah, so it's like it's. I don't know how viable it is as like an actual product. No, no. What you don't want to admit is that it's not viable. This is the thing that everybody in VR is about. They're all like, "Oh, it's so cool, man! The amazing experiences that I had. It was lost inside this world. It was so cool. It was so great." Yeah. Uh, and then, are you going to do that at home? Well, no, probably not. I, I don't actually. I think do it's too that. early to make that. You know that decision. I think really? that we haven't seen the final retail three, product. Three years yet. in is too early. Well, I mean, the early time was all prototyping, and you know, I like I said, I would need to see final product. My whole thing with when VR, my dumbass can make a joke just doing this, well, I think that kind he's of tells you how. Placing his phone over his eyes, if you can't see. Yeah. That's, right, that's right. It's a radio. Yeah. Isn't it? The Christian Spicer annotated I don't think the version. The hardware is going to make or break Garnet VR. Is now I think rolling the experience his eyes. is in the software well. Dude, hardware always makes it. I think. I think if the hardware is solid enough, which it's looking like it's going to be, if there's enough people making good games. Then that will sell hardware, but right now there isn't. There's do you have like a 3D a TV? Definitive experiences, and that's it. Do you have a 3D TV? Yes, I do. How often do you wear the glasses? 
well, but it's only not comparable. Twice. It's not a and comparable. To watch Avatar. That is a, that you're is right. A, that you're right. The glasses aren't half as dumb as a whole damn thing over that's your an face. Erroneous, it's, a, it's not comparable. Jeff was super excited about 3D five years ago, and now he's I was excited not. about VR. <laughs> totally, not, totally, not totally. the same thing at all. And 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 to sort of like turn it into that is not, is not. It's not. It's What's a spurious it? argument. It's a chicken or the egg thing. Wow. Let me say this. I was I, thinking I about here. this. I was just. Uh, I was just in Europe, right, and um, uh, on vacation. Really, and I your saw... Instagram didn't show any pictures from there. <laughs> Did you take your I wife? Told... Yes, told... Jeff. We all know your wife is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She's great. Thank you. Um, so, I was. I was in Europe, and I and I noticed, as there are in this city, in Los Angeles, and a lot of other cities, there are these Segway tours you can go on. Right? We didn't go on any, but I saw them happening. And I thought to myself, you know, when the Segway was announced, there were a segment of people that, that said to themselves, holy crap, that's going to change the world. And then what it ended up doing is changing how you tour around a city. And if that's the equivalent of VR, I'm fine with it. It didn't change how you tour around a city, though. Because, like, ten people did it, you chose not to do it, and most people see people do it and go, what idiots, and they don't and- do it. <laughs> okay. And that, that's exactly what's going to happen. No, th- that's the that's the that's the snarky co- comedy version of it. But the truth is that that, that the truth the truth is that there is a there is a segment of people that do that and make a living providing that service to people. The people that go and do that either love it or don't love it. But you, they, you know what's bigger? It, it, you know what's bigger exists. than Segway tours? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Duck tours. So that might, you know, there might be another big thing coming, you know. So no, you get segways, which are really side. big, but then you've because got the like, duck. Don't the, forget the duck tours. No, what he's saying is the technology didn't die. The technology right. just changed spaces, and the audience for it changed. The, who that consumer is is different, but it exists and it's still thriving. I mean, you can see segway tours in any major city. Exactly, you know? and, and the point I'm trying to make is, I'm one of the people that's shouting from the mountaintops that I think VR is going to change the world because. Having experienced it in, its, in its, the stage it's in right now, I want to play more of this, and I feel like it's giving me an experience that is completely unlike anything I've ever had before. When I played the gallery today, which is the, it's uh, called um, something of the Star Seed, the gallery episode one. It's the, it's the Cloudhead Games is, is doing this. It's a Vive launch title. This is Mist. The game missed, but done in VR with tactile objects. You can use the Vive controllers to pick them up. You manipulate things. You solve puzzles. And they've done this brilliant thing where they've, they've circumvented the space constriction problem and the nausea problem in one fell swoop by allowing you to, to sort of teleport through the world by looking at a space, pushing a button, and jumping to that spot. It's brilliant. It works really well. It gets you around the environment in a really slick convenient way and you don't get nausea because you're not like meandering there and you're not walking into walls i came out of that experience like bouncing around so excited because it's what i've always wanted to have when i was a kid i taught myself pascal as a programming language and the first the game i wanted to make was this game where you have objects and you're in this room and you manipulate the objects and you try to get out of it right somebody made that in 3d space in a virtual reality world and it's i'm so excited for it if, I, if me and only a few thousand people end up playing that, and as long as, as that continues to be made, I'm fine with that. Like, it can be, this can be a Dave and Buster's technology if it has to be. I don't think it's going away, and I think when people try it, they're going to want to do it, and they're going to want to do it in their own home. It's great. I think 
I don't think any like Garnet and I are necessarily saying that VR doesn't have a future or isn't the future, but I think your excitement for what it can be is blinding you to the crap that it is right now. It's not it's, crap right now. It that's, is crap. It's no, a big not. hunking thing that you can't fit into your place that no one that's going to buy that's not like a, a tech geek, which is fine because that's what we are, but it's cumbersome, it's huge, you have these weird controllers, you look like an idiot doing it, you're plugged into a console, you're moving around. That just seems so short-sighted to me. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's where wait, wait, we are Christian, right now. Christian, the future of it's going to be question great. Question for you. When no. you're sitting at your computer or on your couch playing a video game, yeah. do you care what you look like? Yeah. That's a great point because, because hey, you look stupid. Twitch, because so nobody is watching you channel. when you're at home playing a video game. Be one of the game. 20 people that... <laughs> like, no, but you, it, it is, It's a different... The, v, the future of VR is going to be cool and great. But where it is right now, it's in its infancy. And you're so excited for what this thing that can become that you're willing to... I'm excited for what it is right now. I'm, I'm telling you I'm excited for the game that I played today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, have an, we have an incredibly patient audience, by the way. Incredibly, because I feel like this is a conversation that's been had, oh, I don't know, a dozen times on shows that I was on. And I haven't been on a show in like over a year almost. So. <laughs> and we brought it back just for you. You're that was very nice. Yeah. So, so as long as we're diving down this uh, rabbit hole, let me bring you a different perspective on it. You were talking about how, Jeff, you were talking about how you want to have a world where you are creating objects and you're inside this virtual world, you know, reality and it's all hyper real and, and you like... It's sort of you were okay. describing uh, real is fine. You can hyper it up if you want, but <laughs> <laughs> so this is an interesting realization I've come to while I've been playing Kingdom Hearts. I'm playing Kingdom Hearts 1.5. Super love it. It's an amazing game, and I love that it reminded me that there was a day and age where we played games for their magical ability to take us to an amazing fantasy place. Right. And especially in the AAA world, and I also have this concern about VR, we have lost that. And we've lost it because there are hundreds and hundreds of people slaving away at, at desks figuring out, how do I model this phone so it looks exactly like a phone? And you know what? When I'm playing a game, I don't know that I want my phone to look like a phone. I want it to be like whatever. I want it to be taken into a fantasy world. And I think we've lost that. Because even, and this is going to be controversial, even when we go to places of fantasy, uh, e.g., uh, The Witcher or 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 Mass Effect, it's like we have to model it perfectly. It's like someone actually sits down and thinks, "Well, I'm going to model that wizard's robe just so it looks like fabric." I, you know, I don't know that a wizard. I don't want that. I want someone to think, "Okay, this is a wizard. He like does magic." Maybe it's not even a he. It's a thing that does magic. Maybe its robes aren't even robes. Maybe its robes are all energy, and maybe they're all formed by like I don't know crystals and vapors. And I like just I want that imagination, right? And I feel like all that's gone away because we've Can gotten I hung up in technology. And I'm worried that VR will do the same thing. We'll get hung up in the technology when really I want the creative spark. Can I tell you about? Well, feel yeah. free to applaud. Yeah. Uh, can I tell you about it? That brings me to a, a, the other game I played that blew my mind here. Sure. I mean, we're doing playlists. I was going to do indie games because I was going to say indie yeah. games do the same well, thing for me. No, but Jeff played a game called Wizards with Cloaks Made Out of Diamonds. So. <laughs> diamonds and, sm and smoke and stuff. It was awesome. It was the it's, best song in the world. You're talking about Knack. Colon, also you you're high. Knack, right? Mm -hmm. That's what he's talking about. No, but uh, I'm talking about um, uh, Headlander. Do you see Headlander, the new Double Fine game that was announced here? Anybody see that? Uh, I saw no. the announcement. I don't know anything about it, so I'm... I'm well... This is the game that you... They got your letters. Because... <laughs> I, I'm not surprised. It's, I mean, it's, Tim's awesome. I like it's, based on, it's based on all 70s sci-fi. So it's all weird jumpsuits and craziness. It, you, you are a disembodied head that is the last organic piece of matter left on the planet. Everything else... I'm liking this so far. The so robots far, you're have, speaking the language. The robots have taken over. And it's, all, it's an all-robot world based in the 70s sci-fi idea of, like, 
there's like pleasure palaces and the boob tubery and it's like all we you walk into rooms and there's robots just like rubbing themselves on the wall and like it's the Jeffrey right that's um, Starbucks right and um and and you are a head just a disembodied head you can't talk because you don't have lungs you can you know you you have a little jet that shoots out of the bottom of your neck and you fly around the universe and then you can attack thing you have a little like uh, vacuum thing and you suck heads off of other other uh, cool robots and you attach your head to their body and then you control their body oh that's awesome and they have different levels of security clearance that can get them through different doors yeah I can only see the game design doc it's like the head attaches onto different things and everything you attach onto then gives you different powers that's a cool system it's an am- I mean, it's, it's a little amazing. bit of a systematic you know I mean as you're looking at game designs there are games that are built around systems and, and we have a bunch of uh, game loops that we can replicate right and then there are other games that are built purely around creative and I guess the point that I was making and I, and, and I appreciate that and it's cool and it's a great idea but I'm still like seeing lots of mechanical game design in there what I'm talking about is like, like, what happened to the day of just like, I just have a fantastical, crazy idea, and I'm going to, and especially in AAA because that's not a AAA game. It's like we've lost that. All of our AAA games now. It's like we're just like, I'm going to throw 300 people at making Assassin's Creed the most realistic Assassin's Creed ever. Well, maybe it shouldn't be. No, but maybe that, it should be more fantastical. I think you're thinking about it wrong, and I've talked about this. Of on, course, I am. Maybe we talked about it the last time I was on. No, but like. The idea of the studio system with the AAAs and the franchises is that big tentpole pays for the ability to take risks on other titles. No, no, sure, I'm saying you know, I get Assassin's that. Creed pays so that hopefully one day we can get Beyond Good and Evil 2. You know, like, like that's, the, that's the reason why it's there. And so there's no room for having creative stuff anymore. No, I didn't say there's not room for it. I'm saying, like, we, you can't just say, like, oh, I don't want any of these AAA, like... You know, I'm not saying it about AAA. I'm saying like AAA has lost its way. AAA has lost its way in an, in an obsessive desire to recreate the real because the hardware does. It's like we pushed forward. So, okay, so look, we went PS2 to PS3. PS3, we suddenly had HD graphics. Well, so if you go back and play a PS3 game right now, it still looks really good. But yet we went to PS4. And so now people are like, oh, well, now we've got to go to the PS4, Xbox One level. And now we have... Uh, uh, GTX 970s and 980s, so we have to push higher and higher and higher, which means more texture artists and more people modeling it so that my plastic looks just like plastic and the lid looks just like the lid. And what I'm saying is we've gotten so caught up in the technical ability of making games that much of the art and love of making games has gotten pushed aside. But I think the indie space is where that is thriving. It is. It is. I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree So you're just saying in the the AAA space. I'm saying in the AAA space and that 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 is... to the detriment of our hobby because what happens is that all we see and all we are perceived by are those things that people see, right? So you get things like Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed and Tomb Raider and it's cool that they have that sort of uh, mainstream appeal. You know, they will be on uh, Conan or wherever and people will see them. But at the same time, they're not... That, that paints a picture. We're sort of painting ourselves into a box, Right. And there are so many great experiences that are all in it. So, talking about games, uh, there was a Splatoon, awesome game, exactly. So, I have There's much love for Splatoon. AAA. I mean, I, I, Splatoon's not really AAA. Yes, it is. Shut it was their ten, it was one of their temple lumping, titles for the you're Wii U. You're lumping. You're, you're taking all of these. Well, one AAA is just kind of an Yoshi's Woolly World. Yeah, uh, everything Nintendo has ever made. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree uh, that Nintendo embraces dreams, that still. The the new IP coming out from Media Molecule. Yeah, uh, you know, big given time. Cuphead, I know, is an indie game, but given time, there are tons right? of these games that are coming out, and whether or not you call them that AAA, is not tons. That is two, and you are still not doing AAA. You're putting a label. You're taking a group of games that that back up your point, and then you're saying that those are the only games that are what you're calling AAA, which is about budgets and whatever. And it's an arbitrary distinction, and then you're trying to use that to say the death knell on creativity and game. 
games exist, but I still have the GamePro or EGM, whichever one it was, from when Batman 89 came out in Nintendo Entertainment System, and there was like a four-page spread talking about the realism of Batman's cape. Like, this isn't a new thing. This has been a thing that people have been making games have been trying to do for forever, but you still have games like Ratchet & Clank that are coming out that look amazing and have always looked amazing, but are totally fantastical. I don't think there's a problem of, like... What's going to throw you off is I'm going to agree with you. This, <laughs> I'm talking fashion. I'll agree with me after I'm done. It's going to be... A, you have to disagree. You have this intersection of creativity and art coming together, and people that wanted to make a plastic bottle look like a plastic bottle are now finally able to do that, so they're going to do that. But people that aren't interested in it aren't doing that. It's not as if they feel like succumb under this pressure because they're branching out and making other games. There are still games like Fable that are coming out and that have these wonderful art styles or Galaxy and, and all of this crazy stuff. And to say, well, that's not AAA, that doesn't count. You're just discounting the larger world in which we live in for games to make your cynical point. And I'm the cynical one on this podcast, so find your own damn niche. <laughs> <laughs> what? Can I just say, I love that realism in games is becoming really real. Like when I booted up The Witcher 3 on my PS4 for the first time and saw the water, I was like, oh my God, the water looks so amazing. I love that. Yeah, me too. Me yeah, too. I, like, I, I want to believe. I'm I, down for it looking as real as possible. To me, that's what's exciting about games. That games to me are like surpassing film in a way that not only is it this interactive art form, but like they look almost as good as films do now. Like, hmm. Yeah, I mean, I and, and I like that we have both, right? I like that we can have the the Headlanders of the world as alongside the Witcher 3s of the world. I think that's cool. Um, I, w- I want to get to some, some questions. So if you guys have questions, let's start thinking about them. There are microphones there, but I, I don't want to skip over th- games you've played. Did you just want to skip over me? You, I thought you talked. <laughs> well, I did talk. I just, I just, I just, <laughs> what, what would you like to bring up? Gunner, that you I want all of you out there to go up to uh, the fourth floor in the convention center and go to PAX Rising and play the 12 games in PAX Rising because they are all awesome and they are all where indie spirit like really lives. And I want you to pay attention to a couple of them. One of them is, well, actually, I'll just give one of them. One of them is called Mimic. Mimic. And Mimic is a brain breaking. Hyper real. <laughs> <laughs> it is not hyper real at all. You should see the freaking plastic bottles in this game. <laughs> Amazing. The barrels, <laughs> barrel tech is off the chain. So I think actually, I think you would like this, Jeff. So uh, the idea is that as you play, you are, it's a, it's a, it's a, a time play. So, you know, people have played with this before where you play through the game. And then as you're playing, each time you die and restart, it's, it's you. And as a ghost laying down the track for the time before like super time force, like super time force. Mm. so it's like super time force turned into a uh multiplayer arena game so now Whoa. you're trying to play capture the flag yeah <laughs> so you're tra- exactly so you're trying to play capture the flag and you go and capture the flag and bring it back but you don't actually go and capture the flag and bring it back until you die and then protect your ghost as it comes back across the map Whoa. and follows the track that you were yeah wait so is it actually multiplayer or is it just multiplayer with yourself it's mul- it's four player couch co-op wow. and it is awesome it that is so awesome. cool mimic is the name of that mimic game. is the name of the game and it's okay. at pax rising there are 11 other games so go to pax rising and play those games because they're awesome very cool christian what about you also an indie game I want to bring up. It's called Through the Woods. Um, it's, I think we've had a Sweden. And it's kind of the Slender Man type of gameplay where, the, Jeff, I think you dig it because it, you have a flashlight, you're in the woods, it's very much Alan Wake-ish, but there's no combat and it's narrative-driven, so it's this story. And I think the reason it connected with me in a way that Slender Man did it, it's, it's, like, it's a psychological horror game, but you're playing as a mom whose uh, son was kidnapped by this troll and taken out into the woods. So it's recreating this, these woods that you knew as a little kid when you would go out into the woods and be dark and scary. And it has a really complex sound design, at least to my ears. That's something they were touting. 
but something about like being a parent looking for your child wow. through these woods and you find like you know a doll sitting next to a tree that's like been abandoned because this ogre or whatever has been kidnapping all of these kids um, and, it, and what I also liked about the game from and I don't know if it will shift or play but they're using the mechanic that uh, Call of War as Gunslinger kind of used where you're not experiencing the story in real time or maybe it's kind of true detective season one it's not there's like an interviewer talking to the mom so she's retelling the story as you're playing it so that's the narration you're hearing so you're hearing this world that you're going through and then she'll be like you know and there was a loud loud crash behind me and you get ready to jump and she's like oh no it was later and you're like oh son of a bitch (laughs) so it builds the suspense in a way uh that i think is really cool and they say i think the demo if you go to their website you can download and play what they have here at pax but they say also that later in the game it becomes more of a psychological thriller where like you'll see something and it will pull you out or whatever it's built on unity and i think it's like a small it started out as a student project and uh anything like i had never cried before watching tv until i had a kid and then now i watch like google commercials about like the dad and the mom and the mom's dead and the girls in college and i'm like google like hate you so it's like this it really connected for me awesome. uh, can i ask a question and this is obviously ignorant that i don't listen to the show all the time for which i apologize until dawn have either of you played until dawn no I'm that seems like that, that seems like a game you would love yeah i know I, it's that that and uh everybody's gone to the rapture are both games that came Dude, out you right have to vacation. play everybody's yeah. gone to, like just sit down and and like mainline everybody's yeah. gone to rapture it yeah. is so I'm you know that you I love say, that. Play Heroes of the Storm until your eyes bleed. Is that- <laughs> but what I'm actually saying is, play. Everybody's gone to the Rapture, yeah. and, and, and again, like it's one of the, that I love because that challenges our notion of what is game. Yeah, it's like, is this a game? And I think that's reason that it uh, was so dividing in the way people, you know, approached looking at it because it's not a game. There's no, there's no core loop. The it's core loop is walking around. Experience. And yeah. it's so oh, I'm great. so into that. I, yeah, I'm so into that. And I feel like that's kind of like that in VR is pretty compelling to me. <laughs> I won't bring up VR again. I won't bring up VR again. Hey, sorry to jump in here quickly, but I wanted to let you know that this episode, this very special live episode of DLC from PAX Prime 2015 is made possible by our sponsors, and one of those is Squarespace. Uh, You've heard me talk about Squarespace before. It's because I love it, because I honestly use Squarespace. I recommend it to all my friends. I think it's the best place to go if you have any reason to create a website, blog, a, a portfolio, even a store. They are the best place to go to create something. I use them. I have created uh, jeffcanada.com on that site years ago, and I still use it. The reason I still use Squarespace is because I can update my site. I created it easily. I can update it very easily. It's all what you see is what you get, drag and drop, design. They have cool templates, but I can create something that looks unique on the web that's all my own, that doesn't look like anything else, and yet I don't have to have any coding experience. It's just so simple. And it's so streamlined. They have really, really professional-looking websites with these great tools. And it's reliable. It's trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world. So I don't have to worry about Squarespace sites uh, going down or going offline. And it's inexpensive. Sites start at only 8 bucks a month, and you get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. And we're going to help you out even more on that front because you're listening to this show. We're going to give you 10% off your first purchase. All you have to do is go to squarespace.com slash DLC, sign up. The cool thing about signing up is you can create a site, you can use their services completely free. You don't even have to enter a credit card to use anything. It's not going to automatically charge you. 
You just get to use it, see if you like it, create something, see how easy it is to make a website, see how easy it is to just drag and drop in a storefront if you want to sell something. It's awesome. And then what you do is if you like it and you want to buy the service for uh, for any period of time, we'll give you 10% off if you use our promo code Jeff sent me. J E F F S E N T M E all one word. Jeff sent me. So go to squarespace.com/dlc. Check it out and then use that promo code Jeff sent me. Let them know that you heard about it here. It helps us and it helps you because you get 10% off. squarespace.com/dlc and the promo code Jeff sent me. Uh, if you guys have any questions, Andrea is amazing and brought swag to give out to people that ask questions. My friends so. at Xbox gave me some stuff. I have a bunch it's of It's an Xbox. Who figure, wants an X- figure uh, it would no, be figure it's not, shirt. It's not an Xbox. Swag. Did I, stop, did I not say shirt? I meant shirt. I do. She's got a Duke controller. Come on, be, everyone get in line for that. Some ladies tea. <laughs> yeah, right up to the, the uh, microphone there. Yeah, you can, yeah. you can just pick whatever one you Pop want. Pop up and... Uh, Whichever one After that you ask your seems question. appropriate. Testing. Yeah. Yes, indeed. All right. Uh, hey, um, so you guys, I'm the Gru in chat. The Gru! Yeah, hey, how's it going? You don't know me, Garnet or Andre. Um, so you guys were talking about indie games. I really like indie games because uh, I'm like turning 43 this year, so it kind of reminds me of when I was a kid and those style of games. Um, so I just want to know what are some of your favorite uh, indie games? Some of our favorite indie games. Shovel Knight. Yeah. That's, a, that's uh, sort of a cop-out. Go, go someplace to where like, no, they're not going to get it. <laughs> like a, like stump a, the band. A deep cut. Stump the band. Uh, I, I have some of my favorite games. I just was on uh, the... Not uh, a hero. I, I was on the uh, the YouTube top five games of the year thing yesterday that they had, and several of the games that came up in my list of like games of the year are are small indie game. Hand of Fate, good one. Uh, Darkest Dungeon. Although Anthony corrected me that that game's not even actually it's, out it's yet. Still, it's still it's technically it a beta. November, yeah, it's so, still technically beta. Wow, but uh, amazing. Um, um, Sunless Sea. Oh, that's so incredible. Good. Sunless Sea is so good. Um, there was a couple of other. Have ones. you played Nova One Eleven? No. So Nova 111 just came out from Funkatronic Labs. Super cool. It's a it's, so it's a sci-fi roguelike. In other words, so it has like the steps, the step turn mechanic. But halfway into it, you learn that, that you don't have to stick to the step turn, and it's also real time combat at the same time. And as soon as you like get like for initially, you're like obviously you can see that I like games that if they're mechanically driven, sort of break molds and they get hard to get your head around. Once you get into it, it's it's really cool because there are simultaneously enemies that you're fighting in real time and enemies that are bigger and different that you're approaching in a rogue step turn sort of way. Really good. Nova One Eleven. It's on everything. It's on like Xbox and PlayStation. Nova One Eleven. Yeah. From Funkatronic. Funkatronic. Grow Home, if you're not a PS Grow Plus home, subscriber, yeah. Grow Home is going to be free for PS Plus this month. Also, I just want to say, I really hope the spammer in the commenters is here and someone just walks up to the mic and starts <laughs> saying rap lyrics for 10 minutes. <laughs> and we can't get them off the mic. Kappa, 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 right, cool. kappa, Thanks, kappa, kappa. Thanks to the Gru. You can grab a shirt if you want one or not if you don't. If you don't, you don't have one. to. Andrea, do you have a, an indie game that you like? I, I'm just going to hoard the indie game. I love the indie game. I love you. know, get them happy. Yeah, I also like, have been playing a lot of games that aren't out yet, so I don't want to like, recommend, like, hey, this, th- I played this demo this one time. Um, the game- Galaxy? I haven't played it yet. Um, I have yeah, a Destiny problem. Um, so the one big Galaxy. indie game that stood out to me so far in 2015 is definitely Ori and the Blind Forest. Mm. Even though they, they did receive some funding from Microsoft, um, and they were obviously touted, but it's still indie. I mean, it's just like a perfect 
platformer that, like we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, yeah, and I totally agree because what's amazing, it, it looks great. It's not, yeah. not it looks great, but it plays so well. I mean, it has that like super polished Precision. control. Yeah. When oh, yeah. you die, it's, it's because you screwed up and yep. the game is not broken. Super like, bang it, on. It's been a while since we've had like one of those really challenging platforms, especially... You know, like on a that's a tentpole like console. And when your console so, crashes and goes back to the reboot screen and it takes two minutes, that's also because you die. I stopped counting. Like I cared at first about how many times I died because it has a death counter. And once it got up past like three fifty, I was like, oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. It's All right, we'll ping pong back and forth between the two two uh, mics there. Hi, uh, what would it take you guys personally to get excited about the RTS genre again? There hasn't really been a lot of focus on it. And, Great um, question. Yeah. I used to Bring love RTS. Dune. God, dude, I used to Dune. love, I used to love, love, love RTS. The, oh. the, the, the itch that gets scratched, the, the same itch is scratched for me with MOBAs now. Did you play Grey Goo? Which is like the worst, the worst name ever for the best <laughs> RTS game in the last three years. I didn't get into it, but I played a little of it. But um, it, it, so it begs your question because it does everything that the genre tent poles have always done really, really well, and at the same time, it gets that response, and it sort of got the response from me too. It, I don't know what it would take to move it forward. Even I mean, can I define like what is, is, is XCOM two count? Like no, what, that's not yeah. real time. No. That's a turn based. But the combat, is, it, I guess it is traditional. R- RTS, like, build, build a base, produce units, harvest something. In real time. In real time. And then always keep moving. Like, what's, your, what's, your, what's your RTS that you champion? Um, probably, probably Pikmin 3, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, in recent years, at least. Yeah. I, mean, I grew up playing Age of Empires, StarCraft, WarCraft. Um, are you excited for the new StarCraft? Because uh, evidently it's not, the pre-orders are not going well. That, I like no, StarCraft, but I just no, I don't I don't know. It just looks like more of what we've got yeah. with the previous two, which is not a bad thing. But right. um, I think Halo Wars two can be, could be a bump for it. I mean, it's a it's a really? big brand. It's made by a com- I know there's a built in audience there. Ensemble, certainly. right? And yeah. it will come and it will fill the gap between Halo five and what? Anybody remember Armor Command? No. Okay, so Armor Command was a really cool game that I think started having some really good ideas about how to move the genre forward in that it was still base building, but it was base building light, and you brought in dropships that allowed you to be very mobile. And I think that that idea, when, you know, when StarCraft did the whole thing of like, oh, you can pick your Terran base up and move and go someplace else, that that introduces a dynamic element that just the static, like, oh, I'm building a base here, you're building a base here, and we're going to attack, like, that. that <laughs> well, that, I mean, I'd rather play a MOBA. MOBAs are the fun part of, ro- of RTSs. I mean, there's a certain fun to. The turtling and just seeing your empire grow, that's really sure. fun. But the real fun is when you mix it up. And to be able to mix it up and not have to check back in with your base and queue up the next four units to be built, yep. it's kind of better. And so. there's a reason why MOBAs were kind of born out of RTSs to be. Not even kind of, absolutely. Straight up, yeah. it, so I wonder if that's the end. It's just like that's the evolution of where the excitement is in the industry right now. And then in 10 years, someone will circle back and kickstart an yeah. RTS. And, and Jeff will be like, I used to love these games as a kid. <laughs> Divinity Sin 7 is an RTS. That Finally. does sound like me. That does sound like me. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Cool question. You can grab a shirt if you want. Oh, sure. Uh, that was a really good question. Uh, first, a uh, huge fan of uh, especially Garnet, all of your shows. Back oh, thanks, One-up days, and uh, we can confirm for all you guys was really awesome. Awesome. Uh, made me survive awesome. my weekends and uh, lunches with being a J.P. Morgan non- Nazi. But <laughs> um, the question I have is that uh, I, a lot, especially on the show floor, I'm seeing a lot of things that are kind of designed around this esports space where there doesn't seem to be a lot of space for these to be in. Mm. Uh, I mean, League of Legends, Dota is like the MOBAs of choice. Now we have every other MOBA under the sun. Now we have 
Overwatch, Smite, everything else, some console-specific, do you think that esports are such a thing that it can support all of these games? Yes. Yeah, I do too. I, the, we, the, that was a the, cheap answer. Sorry, but it is like that. The flow chart of esports is going like this, and yeah. we're right over here. So yeah. it, it's, yeah. it's going up and getting bigger right now as we're watching, and it's, it, the potential for growth for esports is enormous. And I think, honestly, a lot of the thing that will spur growth is a broader base of games being played. I think, for me, looking at Games Done Quick is like an example of where esports is going to go. It's not just going to be these competition games. It really is going to show... At, it, it's games as skill. And it's the, the best people in the world applying time, effort, and skill at a, this hobby. And I think that is going to captivate people for a long time. And we're seeing all these companies get behind it. We're seeing YouTube devote an entire new thing to streaming. It, 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 it's just skyrocketing right now. So, yeah. yeah. Right. I, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, do it. Hey, panelists. Uh, my name's Cody. It's great to meet you today. Um, so I was going to talk to you a little bit about uh, the, the distribution of content and first impressions with video games, uh, most notably Destiny. Um, you know, a lot of people Andrew, felt Andrew burned uh, the first year of Destiny uh, by the loot drops, so on and so forth. Tweaks have been made, and they've been updating it. Um, and we've got the DLC coming out, the Taken King, huge expansion. Um, the, and I, I've been following it. And the, the content's crazy. The, the, the way that they're restructuring it uh, is almost a total rewrite of the game. Now, um, have you guys seen games that have just given you a bad taste in your mouth? You come back later and it turns out to be totally different or way better uh, through updates and so on and so forth? Or is it even a good idea to release a game so early uh, that you have to rely on that community feedback in order, for it to make, in, in order to make a decent game? Well, I think, the, I think the first question is very different from the second question, and, and I think the second question m- may not even be fair. I think that a lot of these, the, you could look at it that way, or you could look at it like, hey, they're listening, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Garnet, famously, on Weekend Confirmed, uh, ranted against Diablo 3, and now Diablo 3 is... Yeah, I was com- absolutely sitting here thinking the exact same thought. Completely different game. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I think Diablo 3 is the poster child for exactly what you're talking about. Now, can anybody do it? No. It takes, it takes someone who has the wherewithal of a blizzard to commit to saying, hey, first of all, we were wrong, and secondly, we're going to listen to you and try and figure out how to do it right, and now look at how awesome season play is. Like, season four just started. Yeah, I can't wait and, to get home and play it. I, it's so, it's like Mostly so Mostly for great. the Heroes of the Storm mount that I'll get, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Andrea... <laughs> Andrea, um, by mostly he so means talk all. a little bit about Destiny, because you are uh, you got that in your veins. Yeah, well, I don't think Destiny as a base game was a bad game. I think it was a very specific experience that millions of players are still playing and really loved, but it probably wasn't the experience that the broader audience thought that they were going to get with Destiny. And I have, like, I have criticized it for that very openly, um, but it doesn't stop me from playing it. I think that they have also listened to the community and are really active within their forums and saying, hey, we heard you. Especially if you take the example of the recent announcement of the Taken King Collector's Edition, how the community just outcried, like, how dare you try to make us pay for this twice? You know, And they were like, oh, you're right, sorry, let's scale it back. You know, was that a mistake? Absolutely. They should never have demanded that. But they addressed it right away. I think it's tough because, like Garnet said, it takes the scale of a company like Blizzard or an Activision and Bungie to be able to pull off 
something where they are able to dramatically impact the gameplay because some of these smaller teams just don't have the budget, right? Like, so once the game's out, if it didn't sell well enough in the beginning and they want to go back and fix things, like, there's just no money. But the, but the problem gone, for right? me is this. The problem for me in this theory is this. Uh, I think that Destiny exposed Bungie for having a creative deficit to what they promised. And, and it's like, oh, you did this amazing job with Halo, we had an expectation, and then once we got into Destiny, it was like, there's this amazing realized world, and... and <laughs> exactly. Well, the, the base no, like, systems have changed since that. then. I, I've, I've openly said, like, it was, it was disappointing because the world hooked me so, like... Strongly, and it, like there's two big so differences excited. here, right? There's world and, design, and then there's narrative design, well, and it's just a miss. You know, suffered from that same thing. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, the IP oh, Titanfall was so exciting, and then I was like, this, this is it. Right. This is all I get. But what about all these people? Who are they? Like, who are these factions? Great case study here, by the way, because I could easily, I, I was going to say, I could easily argue, and actually, now that I think about it, I might actually just say that I feel like the multiplayer component of Titanfall is more moment-to-moment fun than Destiny. Yet, yet it's not like we're not still Titanfalling. We're not like no one's like, oh man, it's I can't d- wait for It's a different time. experience. Like for it's me, a totally different experience. Except co-op. it's not that different. It's all co-op with my clan. Like that's both what of those I do. games would just like go like this, and I could like have Destiny with Titans in it. That would be cool. <laughs> it would be really cool. Uh, let's. We, we only have a few more minutes. Go ahead. What were we gonna say? I was gonna say you mean Call of Duty. You want to call? Yeah, 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 yeah. That game. Yeah. Uh, thank you for your question. Thanks Appreciate a lot. it. Grab a grab a shirt. Um, let's see if we can get through a couple more questions. We only have about three minutes, I think. Really quick. Hey guys, happy that you are all together. I'm so happy about that. Khalif, he's been on the show as a guest so yep, yep. what up dude yeah hi, and, hi, and hi. repping the old school supersonics yeah <laughs> i rock this especially for you um uh zarvat is a game that you should be playing now it's at pax rising you should definitely play what's that. it called zarvat zarbot top down uh kind of arena shooter awesome. really awesome party hard is a name another game you should be playing at the the show uh, it's coming to fire tv oh, yeah oh, look at that mr fire that's TV. good stuff uh I'm happy that you talked about Dreams, because I'm super excited about that game. Do you think a game like that will actually be viable in the market, though? I'm wondering about it, because I'm, I'm worried no. that it's going to be one of those games that's going to be too big of a headspace for people to kind of get their brains like, but around. But it's, God but it's pushing so hard. It's great, though. Thank God Sony is doing that stuff, man. Yeah, it's gonna, it'll sell something. It, it will not be a, it will not be a commercial success for them. Um, I think Media Molecule has been a darling for Sony for enough time and given them press and creative mind space and something that they can tout as like only on PlayStation kind of thing. And we're imaginative and we're fun that they're giving them some money to play with. Kind of the way I think Microsoft did with Rare when they were building that MMO that they showed a little bit of that never happened. Um, and they're letting them run. And I think eventually they'll get a pop that will be the thing. I don't think Dreams is it, unfortunately. We stand in the midst of a very serious problem with indie games, and this is one of the reasons that I am dedicating the time that I spend right now to indie game development and to business development in indies, which is that we have a burgeoning indie space where there are a ton of developers now working in the indie space. The sad truth is that our, we aren't buying the games. We aren't buying the games sufficiently to support even the indie space that is out right now, and we are on the cusp of a big collapse there, and I don't want to see that happen, because it has been where creativity has gone, and creativity is thriving there, but we have to help those folks figure out how to reach the market and sell the games, because I think their games are all awesome. I don't think we're not buying them because we don't want to buy them. I think we're not buying them because they're not 
presented and put together and put out there in front of us in the same ways that they are when, we, when you get a $60 game. And it, that's a huge problem. Well, it's I a really yeah, big problem. Discoverability is... Uh, I, I hate that word. Well, I mean, but that's it, right? It and is, it, is that, it, but it just it, it encompasses so many different really things. It's the problem that a lot of really good apps have in the mobile space is like finding out, you know, how do we find these games? And there's just not enough outlets doing extensive indie coverage because it's just not getting as much traffic as you would hope it would get. Yeah. So everything goes back to AAA. I mean, it's like a really bad circle to be in. It's a very bad circle. It's just a series of very well-modeled plastic bottles. Uh, th- that's going to be our time. Unfortunately, uh, we have to wrap things up. Thanks. Everybody that's hey, in line, though, every, grab a shirt. Yeah, if there's stuff in the bag and you're in line, please I'll answer a question yourself. for you and outside the hall. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll be around we'll the corner out, by the men's room. We have to thank, thank you to Andrea Renee Garnett Lee, Christian Spicer. <laughs> Thanks to the folks at PAX. This was really fun. Thanks to all of you who showed up. Thanks to everybody who's listening online now. And until next week, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. I hope you're enjoying this episode of DLC Live from PAX Prime. It was certainly great having Garnet and Andrea with us and all the cool people that showed up. It was really, really great. I do need to thank our second sponsor, and that is Linda. Linda Linda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com, is an online learning platform. And this place is really, really cool. I love learning new things. I love uh, making sure I have all the most up-to-date information on software programs I'm doing. Lynda is the place to go to make sure you have the information you need to be more productive, to to work harder, and just to learn stuff. They have over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, your technology, your creative skills, and they're going to give you a free 10-day trial just because you listen to this show. All you need to do is go to lynda.com slash DLC. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash DLC. And then log in, check out some of the videos. I bet you're going to love it because I, I really like I really like the fact that there's such an, a one place to go to that has such a wide breadth of information, professionally designed uh, videos with people that know what they're talking about. They have experience in their field. They're experts, and they know how to make a video, which is, I, I can't tell you how frustrating it is to just go to YouTube or Vimeo or some site and find a, a video on something, do a search for a video on something, and it's out of date, it's for a version of software you don't know, or it's a, it's a guy who doesn't understand how to shoot or light something, or it has 20 minutes of talking about something else in front of it. Linda is not like that. You can jump right to the information you need. All of the courses have transcripts, so you can do a quick search for the words you want or the points you want and then you can jump to that point in the video directly it's great and they have so much stuff photography classes programming classes if you want to get into video game programming oh my gosh linda has so many classes for that you can check out unity you can check out maya 3d studio max html5 they have courses and all that stuff plus They've got courses in, in web design. They've got courses in, in just kind of doing the stuff in your life that you need done. Professional people are going to tell you how to do that in a better, more efficient way. I use it a lot. It's fantastic. Lynda.com slash DLC. Check it out. Sign up for your free 10-day trial. Just check it out. Nothing to lose there. Lynda.com slash DLC. All right. Back to the live show. So that's where we would normally end the show. But live there at PAX, uh, our panel was only an hour long. Usually the show is at least 90 minutes. And I'm back from PAX. We had recorded 
the live show fairly early on in in the weekend, and I'm back. I've had a lot of experience playing a lot of games that I didn't get to talk about on the panel, so I thought I'd hang out a little bit and uh, tell you some of the other stuff that I saw at PAX before it gets swallowed up in the tumult of Metal Gear Solid Five coming out and, and other games coming out. Um, unfortunately, Christian is still in Seattle, still traveling home right now, so he can't join me. It's just going to be a little solo time. Just me and you, you guys. Can we can we hang out and talk a little PAX Prime? I saw a whole bunch of stuff. In fact, uh, Anthony Carboni and I, from uh, my, my co-host on We Have Concerns at WeHaveConcerns.com, he and I teamed up a little bit and uh, did some YouTube video in. So you can check out videos of us at PAX Prime, a whole bunch of stuff we covered on my channel and his channel. And uh, I really recommend you going over checking that out. That's YouTube.com slash Jeff. And then YouTube.com slash A Carboni. We split up the videos between the two sites, the two channels, and a lot of a lot of cool games we covered. So I'll talk some of, about some of them now. Um, uh, we started. Uh, I think the first game we saw was uh, was Rock Band Four, and I think you guys have heard me talk on this show a lot about how excited I am that guitar games are back or coming back. They've they've been gone long enough that I'm nostalgic and ready for them to return, even though I'm not anxious to rebuy all those plastic instruments and figure out a place to store all my plastic instruments. But it's pretty cool that Rock Band 4 is coming back and supporting all the old legacy instruments, even though I don't have mine anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, but we played a bunch of it. It's the, the the same great rock band gameplay you know and love. We played a bunch. I played drums. I played guitar. The biggest new improvement for Rock Band 4 is this new solo mode, this new soloing mechanic that they've added into Rock Band 4. Um, it's pretty awesome. And there's a really cool tutorial, a really, really well-made tutorial that teaches you how to do it. And the thing that's so amazing about the the soloing in Rock Band 4 on the guitar is that it actually adds in creativity. You actually can create awesome solos using a few very simple techniques, but it actually conveys that feeling of noodling and 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 being awesome and improvising and creating something on the fly that is epic and makes you feel cool. And kind of that's what, what Rock Band is all about, in my opinion, is making you feel cooler than your skills allow. <laughs> you know, if you could actually be a rock star, if you could actually play those instruments, you wouldn't need Rock Band. But I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a very middling guitar player, and so I like feeling like I can rock out and play some of the greatest songs of all time. And even better, in the middle of those songs, I can start... I can start soloing. They've got these really cool, uh, different, uh, a few different things that the tutorial teaches you uh, that it, it recommends during the solo. It'll it'll show you a pattern uh, on the on the track, and it recommends you'll get higher points if you do that particular pattern. But it's not specific notes. It's just a strumming pattern or uh, recommending you do a single note and hold it rather than a whole bunch in a row. But you can completely ignore all that stuff and just do whatever you want and. There are so many different options for creating sound during the the uh, soloing sections that you actually can be creative and you can actually create something really cool. And there's all this, all these algorithms happening behind the scenes that turn your chaotic mess into something that sounds awesome. So I'm excited for Rock Band, even though I don't know where I'm going to put the put the controllers. Uh, some other highlights from the show: I got to play uh, Hard West which you may have heard about just recently got announced, is a 
is an XCOM-style turn-based strategy game, but set in the Old West. It's almost a steampunky Old West. It's kind of Old West with some extra tech, but you've, you've sold me. I mean, I love I love turn-based. I love the XCOM template and Hard West. I love that Old West style. It's it, this is a this is a, a genre and a um, a setting that is used all too rarely, in my opinion. And um, I played it. It's great. It really, really feels like XCOM. But there's some really cool stuff in it. The the visuals are spectacular. You can each each of the characters that you have can uh, can do some special moves. Like there's a character that can shoot his gun and ricochet it off off bells and barrels and things and shoot around corners and stuff. So you can create some really interesting situations where you can shoot a guy that you don't even have eyeline with because you can ricochet your bullet. Uh, it's got the cover system. It, it it really feels exactly like XCOM, and that's a good thing in my opinion. If it ain't broke, you know, use use that system. Give me a different story. Give me a different setting. I'm in, and I think the execution looks looks excellent. So that's Hard West, a game I played. Uh, that's one of the the um, Pax Rising that you heard Garnet talk about in the episode. I also played a game from Devolver uh, called Oklos. I think it's O K H L O S. It's a game that's set in ancient Greece, and you play a wandering philosopher who can, when he walks around and, and touches any any other creature, humans, dogs, cattle, anything, uh, he gathers them together in a mob. And you control a roving mob, a roving horde of people who are just wrecking havoc across the land. Uh, this is pretty great. It's a pixel aesthetic, a pixel um, you know animation style, and it looks like a retro game. But it's basically Pikmin. It's basically Pikmin meets a roguelike because you are buying things, upgrading your people, stomping through different areas, fighting bosses. And you're fighting bosses by commanding your roving horde of of (laughs) villagers to attack uh, or defend or scatter when a big attack is coming their way. Um, It's really clever and really cool. And I think the first time somebody's really taken that Pikmin... uh, you know, those mechanics and done something unique and very different with them. Uh, I was really taken with that game. It was really, really pretty cool. What else did I see at the PAX Prime? Oh, man, so many things. We played Butt Sniffin' Pugs. Yeah, you heard me. Butt Sniffin' Pugs. Uh, it's a game that's going to be on Kickstarter pretty soon. It's not really much of a game yet. It's really more of a a proof of concept, a tech demo. They have these uh, custom controllers that they made uh, where you you roll a tennis ball that is size appropriate to you. Uh, so it makes you feel like a tiny dog. It's a giant tennis ball. You roll it like on a trackpad to move yourself around. You and There's a couple of buttons that let you do things like pee on stuff or poop on stuff or bite things. And the way you get new powers is you walk over to the other pug that, that's on the screen and you sniff its butt. How do you sniff its butt, you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked, kind of. There's an actual butt. There's a stuffed animal pug butt, and you have to press the stuffed animal pug butt in order to sniff butts. You're welcome, America. Uh, it's actually pretty funny and cute. Uh, again, it's another pixel game uh, that that's uh, retro aesthetic, but uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny. I think it's going to do great on Kickstarter. It's um, <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. Like, I, I, you know, I'm walking around this park... And an old woman comes to have a picnic, and the goal is to get her to leave. So you have all these options of ways to get her to leave. Uh, I took a poop on her lunch, and she got very upset about that and left. So that, you know, video games, guys. Video games. 
<laughs> I got a chance to play the Uncharted Collection, uh, which was playable over at the Sony booth. They had a whole bunch of, of stations of the uh, Uncharted Collection. My goodness, does that game look pretty. They seem to have done a very, very loving job of bringing all those Uncharted games to PS4. Uh, and and I you know you could walk by it and you couldn't help but stop and look. It looked like a, a current gen game. It looked it looked so silky smooth, playing at uh, I think they got it up at sixty frames per second at ten eighty p. And my goodness, it those old games I want to play through them again. They are so fantastic, such great storytelling. It's going to get me so amped for for Uncharted Four. But um, but man, playing them on PS4, I was reminded. Uh, how great they are, how forward-thinking they are, and, and, and really how pretty they were, even for PS3 games. And, and they've, done some, uh, they've done some magic. I was very impressed. Uh, Uncharted uh, collection on PS4. Um, what else? What else did I see? Oh, we got a chance to play a game that I've been wanting to play for a long time, ever since I, I heard about it. It's called Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. It's a game that uh, is already out, I think, on uh, Samsung Gear VR, and it's coming to Steam and uh, Oculus VR in October for the um, you know for people that own the DK kit. You can play it not in VR. It's not. It doesn't require VR, but man, <laughs> VR headset makes it even better. I think it's it's cool because it doubles down on one of the silly limitations of VR, which is you feel so isolated. You know, you have the the goggles on, you have the earphones on. And you, uh, you you feel like you're, you know, and somebody could walk up and poke you in the face. The isolation is a key point in Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. This is the game where you're trying to defuse a bomb that's in front of you that has all kinds of crazy puzzles or little switches and knobs and buttons on it. You don't know which wire to cut. You don't know which knobs to turn. You don't know which sequence to enter in information. But luckily, you have a buddy sitting next to you in the real world with an actual real world paper manual that has the instructions to how to defuse any bomb in the game. Unfortunately, you have to figure out a way to communicate back and forth to one another. I highly recommend you go and watch that video on our YouTube channels, youtube.com slash Jeff and youtube.com slash acarboni. We took, we took video of us playing it. It's wild and wacky, and they do some such smart things. I was wearing the VR goggles uh, in the world, staring at this bomb, Anthony doesn't know what I'm looking at. He's got the manual in front of him with all the instructions, but he's got pages and pages and pages of instructions. He doesn't know which page applies to this particular bomb, so he has to ask me to describe things. I'm trying to describe things, and you know, we're trying to figure out exactly which bomb we've got, and they do such smart things. Like There's one panel that's all homonyms, so it's all words that are spelled differently but sound the same. So you've got your and your and your, you know, you've got Y-O-U apostrophe R-E, you've got Y-O-U space A-R-E, you've got the letters U and R, and all of those are on different buttons, and I have to figure out which button to press, and he's like, okay, press your, and I'm like, okay, which one? Or red, you know, that's R-E-D, R-E-A-D, which red is it? Do I? And you have to make sure you're uh, pressing the correct one, or you're going to cause an explosion, it's brilliant, and I think this is uh, one of those ways that VR is going to it's going to sell people on it because it, you know one 
One of your friends can put on the VR goggles and the other can be in the real world not having to have them on and still experience the fun. And it really is fun. Not only is that just a, a great concept to try to figure out how to defuse this bomb. It's every movie you've ever seen. But the the fact that they're so clever in in playing on the communication points and playing on confusing you verbally and f- making you feel insane. Like there's, there's another uh, panel on some of the bombs that has symbols and you have to figure out which pattern to press the symbols in, but the symbols are <laughs> intentionally, I obviously it's obviously intentional, intentionally difficult to describe. They're just sort of squ- squiggly lines they're not they're not based on any alphanumeric symbol they're not based on any symbol you've seen before they're just sort of squiggly lines so you find yourself saying things like it looks like a little head with a person bent over and uh high-fiving a a wall you know or or it it, it looks like a dragon kind of um it is it is brilliant it's fun it's challenging we did the introductory bomb we diffused that one in plenty of time and then we got you know you have this ticking timer i should have mentioned that right at the beginning it's a t- it's a ticking timer and i hate timers in games but man this this is perfect uh tick 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 oh my god explain just tell me what to cut tell me which wire to cut we're going to die um but uh yeah we did the first one in plenty of time and then we stepped up to just the next level of difficulty and there are like way higher difficult bombs in the in the game already, but we we blew up on the second bomb. So uh, this is a game I think is going to be a brilliant party game. I, I I can't wait to to play that with my wife, play it with you know friends that are over. It's just silly, wacky fun in the same way that like Space Team is on iOS, where you're trying to yell at each other and trying to tell each other things. Um, just so smart, so so smart, and really the. Takeaway that I came home with from PAX overall is how vibrant and amazing, especially the indie scene is right now in video games. Wall-to-wall games at PAX and this sprawling, every year I go, it gets bigger and bigger and more spaces in downtown Seattle are taken up by PAX. And more and more, it is these brilliant, wonderful, inventive indie games that are taking center stage. PAX has always been such a, a wonderful showcase for that with their you know, PAX Rising uh, spotlight games and, and really just sort of the emphasis on indie there, which is lovely and, and awesome. And really when I'm at PAX, I find myself drawn to these undiscovered titles that I hadn't played or hadn't seen yet. And there were so many of them. I am so excited by the state of our hobby because of the, the level of inventiveness, the level of accessibility for games at this point for, for designers that, you know, just 10 years ago really didn't have the tools to get into game design. Now it's so easy and people are able to bring a level of, of creativity and uh, uniqueness to to the the kinds of titles we're seeing these crazy mashups of different things. You know, Oculus is an example of that. These crazy mashups of of old games and unique games from the past mashed up with new interesting ideas from the present and the future. Uh, so many cool titles. I got much more hands on with Below the the game that's going to come out on Xbox One and I believe PC as well. Uh, from Cappy Games. This is a game that's been on my radar for a while now. I'm so excited for it. it it's Zelda meets Dark Souls. 
Uh, it's that top-down, the little teeny tiny character in this big, vast world, and you're trying to go deeper and deeper into a cave. Uh, saw some some new environments that I hadn't seen before in that game, including stuff that isn't just cave stuff, isn't just natural. It is, it's more man-made or creature-made, I should say. It has intelligence. It's like a city. It's like an underground, um, you know, fully designed uh, structures and bridges and stuff. And that game is is ridiculously uh, hard, <laughs> you know. It's in that Dark Souls vein, but also brilliant in the fact that it it doesn't hold your hand at all. There is no tutorial. There is no text in the game whatsoever. You're just in this world and asked to figure it out. And it's all about discovery and experimentation. And you can make these. The, you, there's crafting. You can make soups. I guess soups are the main the main potions type in the game. You can you know, create all these different kinds of soups. You're adding vegetables. You're adding these these mushrooms and stuff that you found in the in the cave to try to experiment and figure out the best recipes for soups. Uh, anything will make a soup and will have some sort of property, but but the best ingredients will create really unique, interesting soups. And, you know, it's all about sort of it, it, discovering your own story, discovering the, the back history of what happened down here below. But... Nothing is spelled out. It's it asking a lot of the player. And there's such, I think, such a vibrant indie spirit. I mean, you know, Cappy is an indie de- developer. It's it's these these indie games that are really embracing this idea of meet me halfway. If you are a gamer and you're excited about this, we're not going to spell everything out for you. We're not going to hold your hand. We're not going to... Be worried if there's moments where you don't know what to do or you don't know how to do everything in the game. I think there's a a long period in video game history, not too long ago, where designers were terrified of that concept, terrified of letting players not know for any given moment or, or having them be stuck or having them be frustrated or having them uh, have to think and figure it out themselves. Everything had to be as streamlined and smooth as possible. And we're getting to this point now, especially with indie games, but, you know, I think it's the dark soulsification of the industry where so many of these games are embracing roguelike elements, embracing difficulty, and really embracing this idea that you as a player have to pay attention. You have to think. You have to actually figure things out. Or, you know, failing that, you have to create a community on the web that shares information back and forth. And I think... Some of these games are so exciting uh, in that sense of discovery and experimentation and community. I, I, you know, Below is definitely an example of that. But I saw dozens of games like that on the show floor at PAX. These, these roguelike elements, these elements where you know, the game itself just sort of throws you into a place and asks you to, to make your own fun. And I think make your own fun has been such a negative concept for such a long time. Be, you know, because it felt like, well, that that means there's no content, and I think that that's not the case anymore. It's make your own fun. Is we're giving you a tool set. You know, I guess Minecraft. I said the Dark Soulsification, but I guess Minecraft really has a lot to do with that too, where people can trust that if the environment itself is fun, if the tool set is fun, if the sandbox is fun, then you don't have to spell out a a campaign. You don't have to spell out a direction. You don't have there doesn't have to be an A B and a C arc. You can just allow gamers to exist there, figure things out, think, engage, and uh, and they will have a great time, and the game will be exciting and fun. Um, yeah, and and really, 
as I was saying, that the, the sort of vibrancy of the indie movement, you know, you couldn't help but be on the show floor at PAX and look in every direction and see such an explosion of imagination and creativity. Anyway, I'm talking in general terms. It's probably not that interesting anymore, but that's what I came away with PAX with. I also came away from PAX with a couple of board games. You know, we didn't really have time in the live show to get to tabletop time, but PAX is tabletop in a big, big way as well. It's not just video games. There's a huge tabletop presence at PAX. PAX really, you know, when I used to, when we first started going there in the, in the old Totally Rad Show days, Tabletop was where I sort of got Dan and Alex into some more of these games. We we always played, always carved out a little tabletop time for ourselves at the convention. Uh, this year I was a little more busy with uh, Anthony and I with doing stuff, but I did come home with a couple of games uh, thanks to some some awesome folks at at PAX recommending them, telling them that telling me that they were available. Um, the first is Code Names, which you heard me talk about on the episode uh, when, right after Origins, I think. Um, it was very sort of the hot new game at Origins. It's a lot of Chivadal game. Um, I'll talk certainly more about it when I get to play it. I just got home with it, but I'm so excited that I got my hands on it. This is a cool party game. Can play up to eight players or more. Um, really, really fun. I also got uh, a copy of Burgle Bros. Tim Flowers' new game. Tim Flowers actually at the show, and he gave this to me. He said you have to play it. I'm really excited to check it out. I really liked his other game, uh, Paperback Writer. Uh, which is a, a fantastic, fantastic, inventive, really cool game. Um, so I came home with two board games you'll hear me talk about in the coming weeks. But there was, you know, there's a ton of tabletop stuff happening it, it, from panels like uh, Acquisitions Inc., uh, the D and D guys, which was a massive smash. People lined up around the block to see that, uh, and and games that you can buy on the show floor. Lots of games to play in the in the huge free play section at PAX, the the tabletop free play section, which I think gets a lot of people to try board games that, that wouldn't, um, you know, the sort of the, uh, the Trojan horse at PAX is like, come for the video games, stay for the board games. Well, I hope that was interesting. Uh, some extra games I wanted to throw in here at the end of the show. We certainly had a great time at the live show. And again, I'd recommend checking out, uh, my videos over on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Kanata Jeff. Um, We'll be back next week with a regular episode, but that episode will be on Tuesday and live instead of Monday because uh, of the uh, Labor Day holiday. So if you're listening live, then uh, please come hang out with us Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time, uh, and that will be, uh, we'll be doing, doing stuff, talking, I'm sure, a lot of Metal Gear Solid and other things. So thanks a lot for listening to this show. I hope you had a great time. And if you were in our live audience at PAX, thank you so much for being there. That was Really, really fun and a very special experience. Hopefully we'll be doing lots more live DLCs. But until that time, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.